Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Well, good evening. How are we doing? All right, good deal. Uh, Let's go uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We'll be hanging out there uh, this evening. So for as long as I can remember, I have always been a rule follower. I don't know if it's uh, nurture or nature or a combination of both, but uh, following the rules have just kind of been my MO. Um, and, and as a result, what, what happened is that kind of my identity growing up kind of became that of just being the good kid. Um, I just did the right thing the majority of the time. And so that kind of became who I was, uh, so much so that I actually uh, won an award in high school called the Golden Eagle. You've probably heard of it. It's very popular. Uh, but it was an award that my high school gave out for outstanding Christian behavior, which is just the coolest award that you can win in high school, right? Uh, most high school students want to, you know, be all state, national merit scholar, homecoming king. No, no, no. The Golden Eagle is where it's at. And the best part about it is uh, it actually came with this thing where anytime I walked into a room, uh, all of my friends would go, Ca-ca! And like, that's how I uh, was met and it never got old. Um, but that's, I, I tell you all of that because that's, uh, that, that was just kind of who I was. Like my identity was wrapped in, and you follow the rules. You, uh, you just do the right thing. Well, one day I had a, a mentor say something that uh, he probably does not remember, but I cannot forget. He said, you know what, man? I, uh, I, said, I can't tell if you just really love Jesus like, like, like if, if you just really love Christ and you and, and just obedience is just who you are out of an overflow of that, or if you are just terrified to let people down. And when he said it, I felt so exposed because he put to words what I had been feeling for a long time. Because the reality is that, I mean, I, I wanted to party with all of my friends. Like, I didn't want to follow the rules as much as I did, but I had come to this place where I felt this pressure that I had been elevated and, and I had this expectation that, and if I wasn't the good kid, then who was I? And I was terrified of letting people down. And so I just felt this need, despite what my heart was actually saying, this need just to keep performing. And I tell you that because when I look back on that, what I realized is that there was a disconnect between my hands and my heart. And, and I'll explain what I mean. The scriptures use our hands as this word picture for our actions, right? Our, our uh, kind of external things that, that, that we do in the world. Um, and the scriptures use our heart as a word picture for kind of the seat of our motivations, the thing that drives us. And, and when we're healthy, when we're truly following after Christ, then, then there's this alignment between our heart and our hands where, where what people see on the external is actually driven by what happens on the inside. And when I look back, I had this massive disconnect. There was no connection between what people saw and what was actually going on on the inside. I think, for honest, that's a very easy place for, it to, for us to get to as believers. I mean, may, maybe you feel that. Maybe you know the drudgery of doing the right thing or the Christian thing, not because that's what you want to do, but it's just easier. Right? Like, you, you, 
you know that if you were to really follow your heart or, or, or do what your flesh is, is, is making you want to do, someone in your community is going to make you go to coffee and spend an hour talking about it and what went wrong and, you know, how about the boundaries? And it's like, that's just a hassle. I'm, I'm just going to do the right thing. I'm, I'm going to do the Christian thing just because it's just easier. It's less of a hassle. But your, your heart is not connected to your hands. Or maybe you feel like a fraud because externally from, from the outside, it looks like your life is so together. But you know that inside you're an absolute mess. And you're terrified of someone actually knowing the real you. Or maybe you're in a place where you're just apathetic. It's like, I don't really feel anything. Kind of numb. Right? That I don't really even know where my heart is. I don't even want to do the Christian thing. I, I just kind of feel numb. Like, wherever you fall, like that, that's an easy place for us to get to. And, and the good news is that this isn't a new problem, right? This has been happening for a long, long time. And so Jesus, in, in, uh, in this kind of inaugural address on the kingdom of heaven that we call the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to address this very specific thing. And so what I want to do tonight is very simple but very daunting. And I want us to figure out how do we align our heart and our hands. I want us to figure out how do we align our heart and our hands because so often it's so easy for us just to be disconnected where, where what happens externally has, has no bearing on what's actually happening on the inside. And what we'll see is that Jesus will say, hey, if, if that's going on, man, we, we need to correct that because the citizens that live within the kingdom of heaven are people who have an alignment between their heart and their hands. So that's, that's where we're going tonight. Now, before we dive into our text, I want to give a little context to kind of set up where we're going. Um, if, if you were here last month, uh, we, we talked about how in uh, chapter 4 of the book of Matthew, um, Jesus steps on the scene and, and he begins to preach one very specific message. He, he shows up and he says, hey, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? Now, um, I want to focus on that word repent. Because that is a word that, that's kind of been hijacked in our culture, but it's a very beautiful, very specific word that we need to reclaim because it means something very important. I think in our culture, we usually associate the word repent with just like stop sinning, like stop doing bad things, right? That's not what that word means. That's a, um, it's a Greek word, uh, meta, not eo, right? It's fun to say, right? Um, but it's a word that means to change your thinking or to change your mind. And so what Jesus does when he comes on the scene and, and, and he announces the, the ushering of the kingdom of God, he doesn't just step up and say, hey, stop sinning because God's here. Hey, stop doing that. Hey, hey, be better. Stop doing bad things because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. No, no. He steps up and he says, hey, I want you to repent. I want you to change the way that you think. I want you to forget everything you've ever known because the kingdom of heaven is at hand and it is unlike any kingdom you've ever experienced. And I tell you that because tonight, Jesus is gonna use this kind of uh, phrase over and over where, where he starts off by, by saying, you've heard it said, and then he follows it with, but I say. You've heard it said blank, but I say blank. And what he's doing is he's trying to draw our minds back to the, the main message of his time here. Repent. Change the way you think. Change your mind because the kingdom of God is at hand. So he is trying to change the way that we think. 
And what he's going to do is he is going to have two very specific examples of what he's trying to change our minds about. Because he wants to change our minds specifically about how our heart is connected to our hands. And, and there's two specific um, examples. One is anger and one is lust. And so I want to kind of briefly walk through those. And then I want us to get really specific and practical about what this actually means for us. So let's look first at what he says about anger. Starting in verse 21, he says this. So as you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Okay, so I want you to notice what Jesus starts off with. He says, you've heard it said to those of old, meaning you've heard it said for a long time. For a long time, you've heard it said, do not murder. Now, if you're in the original audience here, you're, you're kind of starting to squirm a little bit because you know that his, his entire message has been repent, right? Change the way that you think. And all of a sudden he said, hey, you've heard it said, don't murder. And so all of a sudden it's like, is he about to say that we can start murdering now? Like, I mean, what's the opposite of don't murder, right? And so all of a sudden you're a little, a little squirmy. Right? But what Jesus does is he says, hey, like, 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 I'm not flipping it on its head. No, I'm taking it deeper. Right? You've heard it said, don't murder. But what I'm saying is that if you have anger within your heart, if you're harboring bitterness, if you're harboring resentment, you are just as guilty. He's essentially saying, hey, it's, it's cool that you're not stabbing people in the parking lot. Like, that's That's great but I care about your heart. I care about what's going on on the inside. And, 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 and remember who he's talking to. This, this is a revolutionary concept because he's talking to a Jewish crowd that has spent their whole life meticulously following the law, meticulously doing whatever they possibly can to, to be righteous, following their religious leaders that are, are, are very big on the kind of external appearances. And he's saying, hey, your appearances are great. I love that, that, that you are not committing these physical acts. But if that's where we stop, then we have a problem. Because I want to know about your heart. I want to know about your heart. Are you, are you angry? Because if so, then there is a disconnect between your heart and your hands. And so I would ask you the same question. Are you angry? Does this example, does this, does this speak to you? Maybe you, you're not murdering people, and good for you, kudos. But do you root for people to fail? Is there someone that when their name comes to mind, you are just filled with rage? Is there this kind of part of you that, that, that when you hear that, that something bad happens to them, you, you kind of rejoice in a little bit? Because they had it coming. 
And if so, Jesus is saying, I, that's what I care about. And I wanna dig into that. That's what I wanna kind of wrestle with because that's, and that's not becoming of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Yes, I care about the hands, but I care deeply about the heart. That's what he's saying. So, so, so that's the first example. And I wanna come back and kind of talk, talk about this, the, the solution if you find yourself there in a second. But let's move to the second illustration. The second illustration is this, it's, it's lust. Look, look at what, what he says in verse 27. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, then tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And so Jesus is doing the exact same thing. He's taking the exact same tactic. He said, hey, you, you've heard it said, like, don't commit adultery. And that's great. But I want to know about the heart. And is there, is there lust? Is, is there something within your heart? And, and, and this is an illustration that, that would have been um, very weighty for this audience. Because adultery was a, a huge deal. The, the word picture that God most often used to describe the relationship that he had with Israel, or at least their relationship to him, was that of adultery. Over and over, he calls them an, an unfaithful, adulterous people. So, so they understood the gravity of breaking covenant relationship with their God and with the spouse. Right? I mean, in the Mosaic law, the, the, the penalty for adultery was death. So, so, so this is a very serious topic. Jesus is saying, hey, as serious as adultery is, I'm saying that your heart, that the lust within your heart is just as serious. And, and when he talks about divorce, this is just a continuation of this idea of lust. Because at the root of divorce is a lust for a different life or a different spouse. Right now, I want to be clear that, that there are, are justifiable biblical kind of grounds for uh, divorce when there's you know, infidelity or abuse. Like, you know, I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about this, this kind of irreconcilable differences type divorce culture that we see in our day and that was rampant in his day. Saying irreconcilable differences? No, at the root of that divorce is just the lust for a different spouse, a different relationship. It's a lust for a do-over. It's the idea that, man, I've married the wrong person. I'm in the wrong relationship. And if I could just have that type of marriage, if I could have that type of spouse, if I could have that type of relationship, if I could be like them, then I will be satisfied. Then I'll finally be happy. I'll be out of this rut. Like, that's just what I want. And it's, it's just lust, if we're honest. It's lusting for what you don't have, believing that it has the power to satisfy the longing of your soul. And Jesus is saying, that's what I want to talk about. He's saying, look, I love the external. I do. But let's talk about the heart. Let's talk about the heart. Because I want to make sure there's a connection between your heart and your hands. So the question is, all right, so, so we've established that, you know, Jesus cares deeply about our heart, what's kind of going on in, in our heart. So, so what do we do with this? 
right? Because, because these are just two examples of, of what could be any number of sins or problems, right? This could be, you know, jealousy. This could be pride. This could be self-righteousness. This could be apathy. This could be anything that you think of. So, so what do we do with this? I want to get kind of, or lay out just kind of two practical applications. One is this, that we diagnose the heart issue. I think the first thing that we do in, in, in kind of responding to what Jesus is saying is that we diagnose our heart issues, right? Um, if you think about the physical heart, right, you know, the study of cardiology, most physical heart issues are extremely treatable if you catch it in time, Right? Like most of the time, if, if you diagnose it in time, it's very treatable, sometimes just with diet and exercise. But if you allow heart conditions to go unaddressed, to go undiagnosed, there comes a point in time where you can't treat it anymore. It's too late. There's no amount of kale that you can consume to reverse the damage. And spiritually, it works the exact same way. That if we diagnose our heart issues early, I mean, it's treatable. There are things that we can do, but if we leave our heart issues unaddressed, if we fail to diagnose the problem, if we don't do the work to figure out if something is going wrong, then eventually it's going to be destructive. And by the time that you know you have a heart issue, it's going to be too late. It may not kill you, but it may kill your relationships. It may kill your joy. It may have detrimental effects on the way that you navigate life. And so what Jesus call, calls us to is, to is to diagnose our heart issues. And so I want to get specific on, on, on kind of two ways to do that because that's a very kind of broad thing. First, I would encourage you to, to spend some time alone with the Lord, asking the Lord to reveal to you what your heart issues are. Call me crazy but I still believe that the Lord speaks to us. I believe that the God of the universe speaks to you and I, most commonly through his word and through prayer. And I think that oftentimes we live this life, even in COVID times, where we're just so distracted. What, what once upon a time, my like distractions were like people and hanging out and doing all sorts of stuff. Now I'm just distracted by Netflix. I'm just distracted by all this digital stuff coming at me. So we are still in this kind of overwhelming world where we're just distracted and bombarded with all this stuff. But when we make time to just sit before the Lord in stillness and silence and just say, all right, Lord, will you just reveal what's going on in here? Will you just quiet everything and just speak to me? I believe that the Lord speaks to us. He, he lets us know kind of what's going on in the heart. The second thing is that I would encourage you to, to, to process that with the Lord, but also process that with community. I think God also speaks to us through community. And we talk a big game here about community, but the reality is we believe that community should be the safest place to process these things, but it should also be a safe place for people to speak into your life. And the reality is that if you don't know what your heart issues are, I guarantee you, guarantee you that your friends do. Those closest to you can tell you exactly what they see going on in your heart. And so if you are humble enough to go to your community, go to those that you love and trust and say, hey, do you see anything? Do you see anything going on? And if you're humble enough to listen without being defensive, my guess is that the people closest to you can give you an accurate view of what's going on in your heart. Say, man, if I'm honest, like, you're angry. 
I don't know if, if you know this, but, but every time that person's name comes up, like your whole demeanor changes. Hey, I don't, I don't know if you know this about you. I mean, just, just speaking into the things that they see. Right? So, so first off, we need to diagnose what our heart issues are. The second is this, we need to treat the heart issue. We need to treat the heart issue. Um, diagnosing the problem is just half the battle, right? Like, like if you go get an EKG, the EKG is designed to tell you that you have a heart condition, but the EKG has no ability to fix the problem. It simply exists to say, there's something wrong, now it's up to you to fix it, right? And so, so we can allow community and the word of God and, and, and prayer to serve as an EKG to let us know that there's something off, there's something broken, but we actually have to do the work to actually treat it, to actually do something about it. And that's what I love about the way that Jesus approaches this because Jesus doesn't just say, hey, don't be angry. Hey, don't lust. No, he, he gives us away. He, he talks what about, about the treatment options, so to speak. So um, check out what he says about anger starting back in uh, verse 23. He says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, which just means if, if, if you're worshiping, Sorry, I lost my spot. Uh, If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, then leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, I I care deeply about your heart. I deeply care about you not just being, you know, externally, hey, it's cool, I'm not murdering. Like I care about the anger and the bitterness and the rage within your heart. I mean, and if that's you, you, you got to do some, something about it. And that something is seek reconciliation. Man, like treat it. Do not let that thing fester. Do not let that thing grow because once, eventually it will be destructive. And it will rob you of life, rob you of joy. So seek reconciliation. Man, do so, like, there is a treatment available. Now look at what he says about lust. This is verse 29. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, Tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Now, obviously, Jesus is being hyperbolic, right? He's not actually telling you to cut off your hand or gouge out your eye. Um, but he, he's using a hyperbolic language to say, hey, cut out whatever it is that's feeding your lusts. And if that's an issue, if, if, if that is dwelling within your heart, man, it's only going to be destructive. So cut out whatever it is that feeds that. And be dramatic about it. Right? Like if you can't go on Instagram without lusting after another person or another lifestyle, then maybe cut it out. Maybe do the hard work of, of, of going the extra mile and cutting out whatever it is that feeds your lusts. If you know that you can't hang out with certain people or go to certain places without making certain decisions, then maybe try hanging out with different people in different places. Right? And, and that seems so legalistic in our culture to, to, to actually do the hard work of, of cutting stuff out. But what Jesus is saying is, hey, I care deeply about your soul. I care deeply about what's going on in your heart because if you do not address it, it'll kill you. 
At least it will kill your relationships and kill your joy and kill your ability to navigate the world with this life and joy that I desire for you. I mean, just, and notice, there's a graciousness in what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not beating us over the head by condemning our anger, condemning our lust, or condemning our heart issues. He's saying, out of a love for you, out of a love for you to experience the fullness of life and joy that I offer, man, do something about it. Address it. Don't let it stay there. Don't let it grow. Don't let it fester. So we need to treat the heart issues. And the hard part about this um, is that when I think about the, the application side of this, we love like the three-point bullet point list of stuff, right? Like we long for, and just, just give me the steps. Just give me the things that I can do that, that'll make this go away. Give me the three steps that I can do to stop lusting, stop being angry, to stop being prideful. Give, like, man, just give me the list, bro. But the reality is like there, there's not a one size fits all for this. I don't know what your heart issue is. I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know how serious the heart issue is. I don't know if you need a bypass or if you need to jog more. I don't know. So part of this, part of us growing spiritually is having the spiritual maturity to do the work of diagnosing the heart issue. Talking with those who know us and say, okay, what do you see? Help me understand what's going on in my heart. And then doing the hard work of figuring out, all right, how do I treat it? And that's community, that's spending time in the word, that, that's doing all these things to figure out, okay, like what does this actually look like? But here's the thing. <clears throat> to me, these types of sermons are very easy to, to hear and say, all right, cool, cool, check, got it. But if we don't take the word of God seriously, if we don't take Jesus' words seriously, the reality is that our unaddressed heart issues will eventually catch, catch up to us. They're gonna catch, catch up to us. When I went to college, the, the most freeing, liberating thing was knowing that no one knew me as the golden eagle. That wasn't a title that I wanted to carry with me. So all of a sudden, I felt this freedom of, I can be whoever I want to. There's no one to disappoint. No one's expecting me to make the right choices. No one's expecting me to be the good kid. No one's expecting me to do all these things. No one, no one knows who I am. So all of a sudden, my true heart came out. And I ran hard in the other direction. And it took a long time for the Lord to reorient my heart and get me back to a place where I even wanted my heart and my hands to be aligned. And the breaking point for me was one of those things where I just came or I really just hit a wall. I was like, oh, this, this isn't the life that I want. This, this life that I thought would bring joy, like I, I actually really enjoyed following you. That, that was a lot more joyful, a lot more life. And so the reality is we, we address and diagnose and treat these issues of the heart, not just because Jesus says so, because Jesus' passion is that you have life, that you have joy, that you experience the fullness of life and joy that he offers you. And so my hope tonight in all of this is that we are a people that take this seriously. 
And we understand that, that we serve a God who cares deeply about our hands. He cares deeply about the external. But he also cares about the heart. He cares about the external actually matching the inside. So what I wanna do right now is I want us just to spend a few moments in prayer. Um, I think part of the diagnosis process is, is honestly just having some time in silence, having some time to just to sit and reflect because the reality is that for some of us, we know. We know what our heart issue is. Like you, you knew as soon as I started talking. For others of us, man, we have been so, call it calloused, call it hardened up, I don't know which word you want to use, but we're just blind to the issues that are going on in our heart. Maybe we have, we have just justifications. Maybe you think, yeah, I'm angry, but it's because you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know the wounds that I'm carrying around. And you're right, maybe I don't. But that doesn't negate the fact that we need to do some work on our hearts. And so what I want to do is I just want to um, lead us in the time of prayer. So wherever you are, just go ahead and um, bow your heads really quick. Close your eyes and just take a deep breath. Ask the Lord right now to reveal to you areas in your heart where your heart and your hands are nowhere aligned. The thing about treating these issues is that um, it's not easy. A lot of the times it's drastic, it's uncomfortable. It's not an enjoyable process. Spend a moment asking the Lord to give you the strength, the endurance, the willingness to do the hard work of actually treating the issues that are going on within your heart. Father, I, I thank you for uh, your heart for us. That you are not satisfied with a group of people that look the part. You are not satisfied with a group of people that are in a small group or go to church or lift their hands during worship but have a, a heart that, that doesn't match. But I'm so grateful that you, that you care enough about our heart. So God, as we process what's, what's going on internally, as we process all of the ways that, uh, that we don't reflect the kingdom well, God, will you change our minds? Will you change our hearts? But God, will you give us 
the strength and the endurance to cut out anything in our life that is robbing us of joy, that is robbing us of life, that is robbing us of the intimacy with you that is available. God, may you create within us a heart that reflects the kingdom of heaven in an accurate way. We love you. Your sons and we pray. Amen. We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work he wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.